Hi, welcome to Under the Piano. Episode 1, starting off with extra layers today, because in New York, at least today, it has gotten significantly colder, and I am not only under the piano, but I'm also (laughs) in a lot of layers, and I brought my throw blanket and pillow (laughs) for the first time. So it really feels like a hybrid of a bed and is this my office? I don't think it's my office, but it feels very comfortable here. So I hope you're comfortable. Topic for the first episode is starting new stuff, which is not the most original topic idea ever. (laughs) This is my first episode, so it's not that crazy that it's the topic of choice. I have no concrete plan on how I want to talk on this podcast. All I know is that for this episode, since I am a pianist, I will tell you how I start a new piece of music because this is on my mind. This has been on my mind for the past month-ish because I have a recital in Croatia in a few weeks and it's a concert program with mostly new pieces and actually I just reminded myself that I have to go pick and memorize the encore piece as well. So it's been on my mind starting new stuff in the musical side of things and then I will answer your questions. A bunch of you posted your questions on the topic of starting new stuff and I said it could be anything that comes to your mind. It doesn't have to be music related. I was actually going to start off by telling you how I start a new day because I was actually going to record this yesterday, starting the new day and starting the week. But then, I don't know, yesterday I was very musically inspired and a little bit angsty. And I thought that would not be a very cozy attitude to try to record. And I spent actually more time on the piano than I have in a while. At least it felt like it. But I spent half of my day concentrated on Christ Lariano. And then I was really exhausted. And so I gave up recording yesterday. Yesterday was the first day of the week, and I usually start off the week and my morning writing a to-do list for the entire week, and recording this episode one is on that list. (laughs) Actually, yesterday when I woke up, I had music in my mind, and it kept looping, so that's when I know that it's a very musical day if I start off my morning with music playing in my head. This morning, I didn't really have an obsessive amount of music in my head or much at all actually maybe a phrase here and there but not very concentratedly so that was a sign for me that I probably would not practice in the morning for again to more why music plays in my head let me go chronologically about how I start a new piece of music how I start learning it I actually didn't even know until yesterday when I was looking on YouTube that I started, technically, Schumann's Chrysleriana late last year. I forgot about that. <laughs> I forgot that I sight-read through the entire piece and posted on Patreon. Was it late last year or either December or January? I kind of forgot already, but I sight-read it. And then, oh, I know why I stopped 
So I site read it because I guess I was curious or something, but Christ Lariana has been a piece, and yes, I will be talking about Schumann piece as a reference point of how I start a new piece because it's on my mind. <laughs> and probably you know that Schumann is my favorite composer, so he's going to pop up quite a bit, especially now. So I site read Christ Lariana. I don't remember the exact moment anymore why I decided to site read it, but it's been a piece that I've always been intimidated. I mentioned this multiple times before on Instagram and on YouTube. I knew that when I was in a music conservatory environment, it was one of those difficult pieces to tackle. It had that kind of reputation, similar to, I guess, Stravinsky's Petrushka, the piano version, and maybe one step above Schumann Carnival. This is all in my head. I don't really remember exactly, but that's always how I felt. Carnival was easy for me, but Chrysleriana, there's something weird about it. And I never understood the piece every time I heard it, whether it was in masterclass or in a recording. Something about it was just weird, and it is a weird piece. I think you have to either go through the experiences and emotions that that piece inspires, or you just have to be open to be guided through all the possible colors of life and emotions in one piece, which is not normal because usually if you think outside of classical music, when you listen to a song, it's usually one emotion or about one story. But in this piece, it's many, many things in one. So that was hard for me to understand for the longest time until last month. Things just clicked. And so I decided that I will learn this piece in seven weeks for my recital in Croatia. And so I started, I think, officially one month ago. Basically, every time I start a new piece, I sight read it many times through. Well, more like I sight read it, and then I read it through many more times because it wouldn't be sight reading after the first time. And then more often than not, I keep doing that until I feel like I understand the overall story of the piece. And each time I play the piece, I will discover a detail. And this keeps going on until I have the entire piece in my head. So meaning memorized. There's no specific method or steps. It is all up to what plays in my head. So this goes back to how music was playing in my head yesterday morning. Many times this happens when I am learning a new piece, especially one that I'm particularly attached to emotionally, or it could also just that I subconsciously know I have a certain deadline and I need to finish something. I think this isn't exclusive to music learning. I think we all wake up and a certain thing pops up in our head because of something that we have to do later in the day or a deadline that's looming over our heads. So I don't think it's so special to music. But yeah, then little sections of the piece will start looping in my head after every day that I practice the piece. I might not necessarily practice it every single day. It's really up to what I feel like and what's going on. So if I have a project, then I might not learn that piece if it has nothing to do with it. So that's what happened, I guess, nine months ago when I first sight read 
three months Christ Lariana, I was not in a place where I could devote time and energy into the piece because I had to learn Devolshak's Doomkey Trio and the Humoresque number seven for the recording project that's now out on Sony Classical since July. And so I needed the time to concentrate on a project outside of Schumann. So I went back to it sometime in May, I think. I don't remember exactly why. Maybe I was bored and wanted to challenge myself. And so I spent like a few days there in May, I think. Maybe I was feeling angsty and I wanted to learn an angsty piece, especially the first movement. Then I gave up and had something else to do. Oh, I had concerts and performances that did not include <laughs> Chris Lariana, so I stopped and then went back in September. You might be hearing some music in the background right now because that's my practicing from yesterday. The fact that you're hearing my voice and also the music a little bit in the background gives you an idea of what my brain is like when I'm learning a piece. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. I could be washing the dishes. I could be taking a shower. I could be walking in the park, feeding squirrels. Whatever it is that I'm learning that I'm attached to will just loop in my head. And so that's how it felt like yesterday morning when I woke up. Just this little section where that movement started playing in my head. So when this happens, that's when I know that certain piece of, not certain piece, certain sections of the piece have been subconsciously memorized. Actually, I don't know how to explain how I memorize a piece, but it just kind of happens. Sometimes I need a little bit of outside help, outside meaning it's not just that I mysteriously have it looping in my head. There are certain sections that I need to know, okay, for this part, it goes down. The next time this happens, it goes up, kind of abstract. It's more like giving yourself directions as you're walking from point A to B. It's like if you're going to work or going to school, you already know your path from, let's say, your home or your dorm to school or to work, and you don't really need to recognize each street's name when you pass by each street. But in the beginning, when you're new to that route, you kind of need to give yourself those little pins along the way so that you know that you're going in the right way. That's how it is for me when I start a new piece. Sometimes I need, actually, I'd say every piece, I need a few pins, sometimes more, depending on what's happening and how complicated the piece is. I would remind myself, okay, after this, I'm supposed to see this, and this doesn't have a particular label. It really could just be, oh, because the first time this happens, it was already so big. The next time this happens, the leap is smaller because you need to balance out the fact that the first time it happened, it was a very, very big leap, whatever that is. So yeah, I guess I start developing little pins. Should I call them pins? I'm imagining like on a map, you have a pin in certain places. I don't know if pin is necessarily the best word, but that's what came out of my mouth just now. So it's been a month since I officially decided that I will learn Schumann's Christ Lariana for this concert in seven weeks from a month ago. And 
at the time I did not have access to piano or I was away from home so I didn't practice the piece every day since a month ago when I decided that I will practice and learn this piece but then when I got back home I yeah I did what I was saying read through all the way through many times by many times I mean maybe once a day <laughs> but each day that I approach that piece I am most likely reading through and that's why actually some years ago when school friends would come to my practice room they would say that it sounds like I'm just playing through things because that is probably 80% of what I do, if not more. It's just playing through. And then when I've played through enough times and certain sections still trip me up, I will then narrow down on that section so that I can fix it and not trip up again next time I play through. Sometimes these things will just fix themselves, maybe by the fourth time that I play through the piece, but with a weird piece like this Chryslariano, there are some things that I just needed to take a look. What are the actual notes? Like yesterday, I discovered a little detail, which these are the kind of things that will keep happening until I perform at the concert. I have most of the piece memorized by now. I think about 95%. I have about three weeks till concert and I now start to discover little details, like yesterday I discovered that actually this, I don't know if it's a melody, maybe it's a motif, this part is supposed to be a slur, so two notes are supposed to connect to each other rather than be separated from each other. Or, oh, this is, I think I recorded this for you, because I was thinking of recording the podcast and telling you about it. There's this melody the last movement of Chryslariana. Actually, no, wait. No, this is the third movement, or the interlude of the second movement. You know, the thing that's weird about this piece is that each movement, it's not so separate, especially in the second movement. Yeah, I think this is the second movement, technically. But it's a section in that movement where I discovered the melody has one more note. <laughs> because... It's one of those things where there's a melody and a compliment in one hand. And I treated the last note of the melody as the compliment rather than the melody. So I never heard it until I actually listened to what I was playing and then saw that, yes, it has an extra note. It's not extra, it's always been there, but there's one more note in that melody. I found that out yesterday. I don't analyze the score. I think people ask me about this. If I analyze and sit down and do this. I know some musicians do that. I've never really done it except for homework. For like music theory class. Actually this morning, speaking of music theory. I found out something that I was looking for for a while. But I never found the quote. This relates to why I don't. Actually yeah, this might be a perfect quote for me to tell you. Hold on. I have to find a quote again. Some time ago, I heard someone who teaches music theory say that analyzing scores 
it's like one knowing whether your French fries comes with ketchup, and two, this person then goes on to mock Victor Hugo, who said, "Music expresses that which cannot be put into words, and that which cannot remain silent." So I think it was more the first section of the sentence. Music expresses that which cannot be put into words, and this person who teaches music theory was saying, "Well, you actually can put it into words. It's called dominant chords and subdominant chords and tonic and all of the labels that you learn in music theory classes." And that did not sit well with me. I was so mad when I heard this line of, I guess, a joke, but it just was. More disrespectful than anything, to mock Victor Hugo, who, if you did not know, very well-known poet and author, who I've been meaning to read more. But he inspired a lot of other wonderful pieces of music, like Verdi's opera Ricoletto or Les Misérables. Maybe you've heard of. Anyway, that remark just took away the possibility for a deeper discussion about what music is and what music can do, which is. Go beyond the language, but anyway, I understand why people analyze scores, and it's great that it works for them. But for me, I actually, when I was younger, I loved finding out the different chords, and it was fun. It was like a game of Sudoku, kind of like a puzzle. But it's only one system of understanding sounds. Oh, wait, hold on, I'm getting a phone call. Hi. Yes, thank you. Taking an unplanned break to get my groceries. Hold on. Hello, I'm back. I definitely have enough groceries until I leave for Croatia. <laughs> And side note, that is very much related. I definitely have a section in my mind of she wants Chrysleriana as I was unpacking my grocery delivery. <laughs> yeah, I don't analyze. The score when I'm learning a new piece of music. Music is essentially sounds. I mean, it is sounds, sounds and silence, and it doesn't matter if it's classical music or pop music or rock music. When I'm learning a piece, and that's why I play it through so many times, not an excessive amount. I sound like I'm playing it obsessively over and over again. It depends on how short the piece is. Chris Lariana, for your reference, is about half an hour. So no, I don't do that. I think it would be torture for myself emotionally and physically, and also for my neighbors, and I don't want that. But when I play through a piece, each time I do that, I am focused on the sounds more than anything. I'm not thinking to myself all the time, like, "Oh look, this is an E flat major. Oh look, this is this chord." Of course, music theory is very helpful, and the fact that I've been playing for so long. I can anticipate which groups those are, and of course, music theory has helped me. But I am not consciously labeling things as I am playing. I'm focused on the sounds, and pretty sure my muscles, so my fingers, will recognize. Oh, this is that particular group of notes as a way to easily play, technically speaking. But I don't think of the technical aspect. For me, I'm just absorbing the sounds. And that through that absorption, I will suddenly hear, "Oh, here's the melody that was embedded in the sea of sounds that I was listening to." And yes, of course, it's written in front of me in the score. But I discover it not by looking so much at the score 
and trying to analyze the score, but listening to the ups and downs of sounds. It might sound dumb because technically everything is written in front of me on paper. I think I have explained my entire process of learning a new piece. This is how I start something new. Oh, I thought of some analogies because I wanted to explain it in a way that isn't so nerdy. Not that there's anything wrong with being nerdy, but the only reason I talk about anything and post anything on the internet is to introduce classical music to more people, and it's not for myself. And I'm always trying to think how to explain something in a way that everyone can relate to without dumbing it down. So here's an example of how it is when I learn a new piece. It's very much similar to meeting a new friend or making a new friend. When you meet someone new, you are in that honeymoon phase. And so this honeymoon phase, you are thinking about them a lot without you telling yourself, I must think about this person. So it's very much like when I learn a new piece, I don't tell myself I have to play this in my head right now. I just have it randomly pop up in my head and more frequently than usual when I'm learning that particular piece of music rather than some other piece of music popping in my head. So you think about this new person in your life more than you might think about other people in your life. And you might replay some of the conversations that you've had with this person. This could be a new person or just some person that means a lot to you. So this applies exactly the same way with music. If it's a new piece of music and if it's a piece that I have a lot of emotional connections to, you just naturally think about that person or that music more. And so it will replay in your head without you telling yourself, I must replay this particular conversation. I feel like a lot of these analogies come up in my head when I'm playing. So I hope I have said everything of that analogy. Have I? Oh, how I play a piece of music when I'm learning a new piece in terms of interpretation. Yeah, this is also very similar to having a new person in your life, a new friend or something. You start to not only replay conversations, but you might also imagine a conversation topic and then imagine what you're saying <laughs> and the different answers that you will give to maybe the person's question or maybe a topic that you think might come up in a future conversation. This doesn't necessarily just apply to a new friendship. It could also be someone you're close to or maybe you're preparing for a job interview or something or a school interview and you're preparing various answers. That's more of a stressed out scenario though I feel like when you have a particular appointment that you're preparing yourself for but let's just go back to having a new friend so yeah you start to think of different ways of playing a melody that for me happens when I'm at the piano or I'm actively thinking about music well actually no I feel like I've discovered a new way or, or a different emphasis on a note in a string of notes of a melody by not being at the piano. I think this has happened also. So yes, I think that analogy works. All right, I feel like I've talked about this for a long time. So let me just look at your questions. 
and spring off of them and maybe they will bring back to this topic of starting a new piece. I hope what I've explained so far makes sense and it's interesting because I know this is something that I get asked a lot but I could never ever show this on YouTube because it's way too much. I know I tried last year to film myself learning a new piece and document it but then I have no interest in going back all the hours of footage and then explain to you why I do something in a certain way because it's so analytical and then I would be spending time doing that looking backwards rather than continuing forwards in my present life and it was just way too much and then I have to explain the little details that I don't think are so applicable outside of that particular piece. I think this is just a much easier way to explain the entire process and I hope I did a good job. I... yeah. <laughs> okay, so comments. If you don't know, in each episode I will answer questions related to the topic. So a bunch of you asked me questions unrelated to the topic. I guess random things come to your mind and that's okay. Maybe I'll answer a couple of those too, but every week I will post the topics and I interact with you on the podcast's Instagram. So you can go follow under the piano podcast if you want to participate in this Q&A for future episodes. So first one, someone asked or someone said, having self-love, feeling self-sufficient. This was very interesting because I think it was the first comment that I got and it's very much something that I am still learning. Another reason that I started this podcast was because there are so, so many moving parts behind the scenes that I start feeling, oh, I thought of this <laughs> weird analogy yesterday. <laughs> it's like, imagine if your brain is your home. It could also just be your room if you live in a dorm or something, but imagine if your home every day there is new furniture coming in and then some of your furniture goes out the door. You don't really know why, but your home looks different somehow or something is missing and something's coming in every day. And you're just standing there looking at all the things coming in and out and you feel like you don't have any control for what goes out and what comes in. It's just kind of like... Uh, what is going on with my home that's a little bit what was going on in my brain what has been going on actually working on projects and goals where I don't have complete control over like I don't know when someone is going to come in with something <laughs> and those who make any post on social media knows that you have no idea how many people exactly will look at the video or the photo that you posted and you have no idea how many people will comment and will say something and what they will say. So on the digital side, there's that, that maybe some of you can understand. But also, hopefully in a year from now, all of this vagueness will make sense as to what I mean by a lot of things going in and out, kind of waiting for the room to settle. <laughs> and I needed a sense of, or I needed to do something for myself. and making a concert program with two big new pieces. One of them is what I've been talking about, Schumann's Christ Lariana, and the other is the Beethoven Sonata in A, Opus 2 Number 2. 
by doing this, I at least can keep one piece of furniture in this metaphorical home of mine. My home is fine. There's nothing weird <laughs> about it. Nothing is disappearing without my control. I'm not getting any surprise gifts or anything. But in this metaphorical home, I at least have this one thing that I have control over, which is my learning of music and playing the piano. And yes, thank goodness, <laughs> the Steinway is still safe and secure and not going anywhere in my apartment. So at least I have this physically, but also in my brain, I have music. And that's one thing that I can control is how I learn a piece of music and how I play. So this was my way of having self-love and feeling self-sufficient, I guess, in this sense. I guess music is very much part of the self in the self-sufficient term. So another one said, you think about growing as a person and opening up to what's unknown. Yep, very much in the phase that I am in now. Yesterday, someone reposted a clip of my Lebeslade. Oh gosh, am I saying this? Am I pronouncing this correctly? Love Sorrel by Chrysler slash Rachmaninoff. And it was a video of my performance at the Gilmore Festival in 2019. And I was thinking, wow, I have grown up a lot since then because I knew so little colors of love sorrow, among many other things. And also I didn't have as many different ways of playing the piano as I think I do now. No, I know I do now. I should be a little bit more confident in saying this. I could tell because the first two phrases of that clip, the short clip, I kind of approached the piano in the same exact way, which I think if I were to play it now, I would not do that. So I feel like I have been growing up and opening up to what's unknown. There's always a part of me that is curious about a lot of things. So yes, and I'm glad that you are supportive and happy about this podcast. Let's see. Having a little mental refresh before starting anything new, piano related or not, it's good to take a break and relax your mind for a bit. That was what I was doing off camera for two weeks, late August and early September. It was so weird because I did not even take photos of some of the things that I was doing. Of course, the people that were there saw me and so <laughs> it's not like I was secluded, but I just wanted to be in the moment and have this refresh and hopefully you're hearing the result of that in a good way. I gotta say, you are very, very nice to me, and I really appreciate it. Um, someone just asked, how are you doing? The comment says, I really enjoy listening to you and your piano playing. Have a nice day. Thank you. I'm very cozy and very warm. I think talking warmed me up a lot. And also, I'm under a lot of layers, and it's very cozy. So I'm doing well. I hope you're doing well and feeling cozy in some way. I don't know if everyone's necessarily lying down, but I definitely am lying down when I am recording this podcast. Starting new stuff reminded you also of having self-confidence as a classical musician with a dejected emoji. This is something that I still struggle with. I don't know if it's as a classical musician, but more as a person. But I do know that when I am not confident, I will not sound confident at the piano. And it's very obvious for me. Actually, when I listen back to pre-2019, I would say, I could hear that whenever I play the younger that I was, especially, I would do about 70 or 80% of the idea and then apologize and bow. 
Meaning if I were to play crescendo and I'm supposed to go from, say, 50 to 100, I would go from 50 to 75, even though I intended to go to 100. (laughs) I kept hearing that a lot in myself, so I stopped. And I think I feel relatively confident at the piano, knock on wood. But it's something that you just have to keep playing. And if you love playing a piano and you end up spending a lot of time with music, you will gain the confidence from playing, experience of playing. I think I've talked about this when it comes to nervousness. It's just something that you are more used to, that feeling of, let's say, being on stage or playing in front of people. Yeah, maybe I can talk about that more in depth in another episode. I will say, though, I give a lot of credit to family and close few friends of mine who always give me positive energy. Recently, this has been a lot of help, especially because I have a huge tendency, I think you guys know, of criticizing myself. So I'm very, very grateful for that. I hope you can find someone like that, even if it's just one friend. And also don't surround yourself with people who make you doubt yourself in any way. Mm, Let's see. Start new stuff, change with a blushing, smiley face. Yeah, this podcast is a change. Will people change and evolve with me? Starting new stuff for curiosity's sake. Hmm, I don't know if I have done that. I feel like there has to be something behind the curiosity. And so I'm doing it for that rather than just for curiosity's sake. For example, a few weeks ago, I went to a really well-known bookstore here in New York City called The Strand. I was very curious about it. I've been curious about it for a while, but with the pandemic and also just in general, I never found the time to go to Union Square and explore a strand. Then an opportunity came and I went to explore because I was curious, but also at the root of that curiosity is because I like to read. I wouldn't call myself a bookworm. It's more like an aspiring bookworm. And I started to buy physical books more. So that's the reason, not so much for curiosity's sake, that I went to the bookstore. Starting new stuff for you also means starting things outside of your comfort zone. Trying to think of something that I did that was outside of my comfort zone. That is recent. Broadly speaking, every time that I have done something that's very much outside of my comfort zone, I come out learning a lot. I can't seem to think of a particular anecdote though. Oh, starting things outside of my comfort zone. I don't know if this is necessarily starting things, but because I did things outside of my comfort zone, it started things. Maybe it's because I'm currently under the piano and so I think of this immediately, this anecdote. But there was a time some years ago when I was surrounded by some friends who really pushed me to do things outside of my comfort zone and be more outgoing. And I am an introvert, so talking to people and approaching people is not something that I like to do in my natural state. It's something that I have to kind of kick myself a little bit, not in like a hurtful way, but kind of nudge myself. But then of course, there's also the curious side of me. Wait, actually, do I want to talk about this? Maybe I don't want to talk about this anecdote. Hold on. Okay, no, it's okay. I'll go about the anecdote like this. I don't like attention on myself when I am out and about, or I feel very awkward, let's just say. Some summers ago, I think I've told parts of the story, but I didn't tell you about the emotional side of things. I signed up to play 
Horowitz's piano at Steinway Hall in New York. And I, like I said, I feel very awkward. But I was like, ugh, maybe I should tell people that I am playing. Because it'd be nice to have some of you hear the piano and also I get to meet up with you and it might be fun. Even though um, I don't know really anyone at Steinway at the time. And I didn't really know how private this exhibit is. Like, I don't know if it's going to be in the lobby, kind of like a piano in the middle of a shopping mall's lobby, that kind of openness, or if it's going to be secluded in a room. It turned out to be secluded in the concert hall downstairs in the Steinway Hall here in New York. I uh, announced it last minute on Instagram stories, and I went there with a camera. Again, very uncomfortable because vlogging not sure what people think about that but i was waiting for my slot to play in the reception area and i started getting attention because there were people some of you i don't know if the people who came are still following me and if they are listening to this episode if so hello and thank you so much <laughs> but basically 10 15 people showed up and that alarmed some people there at steinway because they're like what is this <laughs> what is going on? Why is there a crowd? Who is this with a camera? And I felt kind of awkward. <laughs> um, but it was nice. It was nice to meet some of you. So the awkward part is just me being awkward, socializing, and in an environment that I'm not sure what is supposed to happen. But long story short, I ended up meeting some people that ultimately landed in a partnership with Steinway some days later. So that was crazy. But that was something that I did at a time when I was encouraged by friends to step outside of my comfort zone and be more outgoing and out there and do things. And that helped a lot. So that's my story of starting new things that happened because I was outside of my comfort zone or I went outside of my comfort zone. Starting new stuff. Someone said, find a new language to learn. Yeah, that's not really happening, unfortunately. No matter how many times I've tried to learn German, it's kind of not happening and I don't know when that will happen. Someone else said, where do I start? In what direction do I head? I often have a end goal of some sort in mind, but finding a path to get there can be a challenge. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of a wing it and just ramble and go with the flow kind of person. I think I think of goals and the overarching philosophy or idea. And then I don't really think about where do I start. Like with this podcast, I was a little bit, I don't want to say nervous, but I started thinking in many, many different ways how I would talk. Not like how I would talk as in different voices that I would be making, but kind of maybe anecdotes that I would talk about. Or I started basically recording the podcast episode bits and pieces in my head. But then... I ended up picking up the mic and just talking <laughs> without a clear plan, except for the structure, the very loose structure that I said in the beginning. Mm. Starting new stuff, someone wrote memories. Oh boy. Memories prevent me from going forward. Yeah. So, I have to put my memories aside. 
ironic because I do rely very much on memory for performing pieces of music and I just talked about how I get to that point of learning a new piece of music. But that's my thought on memories. Now on one side again, getting out of the comfort zone and overcoming fear of the unknown, which are your experiences and do you have some advice? <laughs> I feel like stepping outside of my comfort zone, the only, it's not really an anecdote, but it's again also about socializing. <laughs> But I'm just thinking back on recent things of my life and this year and how when I stepped outside of my comfort zone, I then end up making new friends, which I guess is a result of me interacting with people. <laughs> Let me pick other questions and maybe that will inspire something else in me. Someone asked for tips on making learning new repertoire more efficient. Efficiency shouldn't really be on your mind because that will just stress you out. And then you start to think, oh, why am I not learning this fast enough? And whether you learn something fast or not has nothing to do with the actual music itself. The piece of music, if it were a person, would be like, why are you thinking about this? <laughs> I'd say switch your mindset. Hopefully you're playing a piece that you like that helps a thousand percent, but also taking things in smaller bites. So maybe it's one line, maybe it's a page, or two that you want to focus on and just being able to solve little pieces of the puzzle each day that's like those people who those people <laughs> i mean this happens very commonly so <laughs> that sounded weird but when people solve those really big puzzles that have over a thousand pieces chances are a lot of people solve those puzzles not in one sitting so it's a bit like that when you learn new repertoire should do it little piece at a time and maybe you just figure out five puzzle pieces in one sitting in one practice session and then you feel good about that because you've achieved something and that will give you kind of a positive mood lift at least it does for me and then you feel confident to do that again because you've done it in a smaller step um, someone said, learning new stuff can be quite challenging for me. Sometimes it feels like there's so much to learn slash discover that I get a bit scared or frustrated. Can you relate in any way? Um, okay, feeling like there's so much to learn and discover and feeling scared or frustrated. I can relate to this not so much as in so much to learn and discover, but I will say that there has been a lot of things that I want to achieve, but going back to the mysterious room that just has furniture going in and out without your control. There's a lot that I want to achieve and I am not able to achieve at the pace or in the way that I want. So then I get overwhelmed because there's a lot of things that I want to do. And a good friend of mine gave me the advice of focusing on one thing at a time. Which, again, is very much like the puzzle piece advice that I just said. But broadly speaking, this applies also for other things. And it's why I've been feeling better. I think there was a time when I was very, very stressed out and burnt out and like, I am going to a dark place. And I think I came out of that because I start to ignore all the things that I have no control over and then focus on something that makes me very excited, which is... In this case, again, learning Schumann's Chrysleriana, or just learning new repertoire. I think it's exciting that there's so much to learn and discover, especially with the piano. There's so, 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 so many pieces. 
that you kind of can never run out of new pieces to discover. So I think I look at it more positively, <laughs> which is a weird sentence to say because I can be pessimistic very much so. Um, but I guess it's maybe kind of like why I said in the beginning that I like to start my week with a to-do list and just narrow down the things that I want to do and that helps a lot for me to just narrow down the things that I feel most excited to do and that I feel most able to do. So it's very much like when I said that after accomplishing this small puzzle piece you feel good about yourself being able to then tackle more and more and more and more because you're just not taking too big of a bite each time. Yeah, I think it's very exciting that there's so much that you can learn. I think the pressure comes when maybe you're expected to learn something and you don't know if you can learn it and that expectation might come from yourself. But something that I have been learning is how to just let myself relax. Mm, learning new stuff means a new friendship. Yes, I think I talked about that already in this episode. Let's see. Exploration and getting a bit lost along the way. The piece of music that already comes to mind kindred scene first piece which is called i won't speak german but it roughly translates to a foreign places and people anyway i like to do this a lot when i am traveling and then i end up going the opposite way of where i intended that's fun <laughs> oh but i can also think of this musically sometimes there are periods where i'm just exploring different pieces and sight reading a bunch of pieces without actually having a goal and then i'm a little bit lost because i'm like what am i doing I feel like I haven't done anything because what I'm doing is sight reading. But then I stopped getting annoyed at myself for that and I just let myself be lost. Sometimes there are days when I feel lost. Like I'm not really sure which thing to do or which piece of music to focus on. And sometimes you just need those days of wandering. Yeah, I think it's a good thing actually. Because then you get to maybe have an epiphany that you wouldn't otherwise have if you were in a constant state of mind of knowing exactly what you're going to do kind of need that exploration time. Starting new stuff versus finishing old stuff. And then another comment, which very much relates to this, and I thought of this also. You think about if it's actually new, especially nowadays when we have manufactured movies and music, creation can have a formula and laziness is rewarded. The aim becomes to entertain, to incite consumerism instead of to experiment and explore, to sharing, to educate, and to broaden people's views. Are the new generation appreciating the beauty of the masterpieces in history or are they busy chasing after newer and cooler stuff? There's a lot to unpack here. I feel like I've talked for too long already in this episode. But I think it's an interesting question. What is actually new? Because for me, learning a new piece of repertoire after playing for 20 years is not technically as new of an endeavor because I know where the keys are and I have played Schumann and I have read some of the books that inspired Schumann's whole musical world so I know what I'm getting myself into in terms of all the crazy emotions and experiences that you're supposed to go through in one single piece of music. I feel like I'm never finished with old stuff either though. Um, hi. So, I talked for about 20 minutes, and I did not know, because I've been so into answering your questions, I didn't look at my computer. My computer ran out of battery, so the last 20 minutes was not recorded. 
But at least the entire episode is still saved, so I just have to sum up what I was talking about. Something I said about this question, chasing after new and the cooler stuff. I think chasing after new things or the curiosity to look at something new is innate in all of us. So I don't think this is a new generation thing. We do live in a very, very fast-paced world if you are on the internet. I know there are some places where the culture is different and you don't spend so much time on social media. But I think all of us are curious about something that we have not seen. If the opportunity arises for us to check out that new thing, I think it's a very primal instinct to be like, oh, what's this? Hmm... I feel like the way social media works right now, it is very hard to actually do something new. I think that's a whole can of worms and possibilities to talk about. If you think about fashion, now in the past few years, I feel like it's the new trend to thrift and buy used clothing or vintage pieces. And if you think about music also, vinyls are coming back. So the old is now the new trend or the new thing, the new cool thing to do. So who knows? I don't think there's a very clear divide between old and new. So I will just say that in regards to your analysis of kind of current culture and society and how maybe not everything is really new. But on the positive side, someone asked how to overcome the threshold of doubts, insecurities, and procrastination that exist for me at least in front of every new journey. Someone else wrote having the courage to change and to try. Someone else wrote getting over the hurdle of just starting as I do give up before starting sometimes if I feel it's too out of my league. Another person said inconstancy and perfectionism. I feel that I always have to delete everything I'm working on if not satisfied with it until the process feels easy and self-evident. All of those questions are kind of related. I'll try to wrap it up by answering multiple questions. If I skipped your question, I'm sorry. I can't answer every single one, but I do appreciate reading all of them. I think it shows if you're scared of starting something new, that you have certain expectations for yourself and that you will not settle for a lower quality of whatever it is, which I think is a good thing. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that you want to strive for something that's either perfect or whatever perfect means for you or that you feel like you have reached a certain level of quality or comfort that you expect to have in this new thing that you want to try or new journey. Going back to if something's actually new or if it's really old, I think in a way it's a mix. Something that has helped me to overcome doubts or let's say with this podcast. I have thought of this podcast for about two months now and in a way I have procrastinated for two months because I needed to think through all the possibilities of how others might perceive it, whether it's going to be successful, whether people will like it, whether it will make sense to people, whether people enjoy and get anything out of what I am saying and rambling on, and will this be confusing for people because I'm a pianist that does so many other things that 
don't involve my fingers on the keys. So I had a lot of questions, and it was a dialectic, if I want to put a positive, fancy term on this process before starting this podcast. But what ultimately helped me actually start this was looking back at things that I already know how to do. And I think it doesn't matter how big of a journey or project or piece of music, if we're talking about learning a piece of music, I don't think it matters how big of a task it is, especially if you're commenting on social media, on my Instagram, on my podcast's Instagram, you're at least 13 years old, I think, and you have enough life experiences. Actually, I wouldn't even call them life experiences because that could sound very lofty, but you have enough experiences just by living on earth to know how to do a tiny part, even if it's a very, very tiny part, or maybe it's a significant part, but you know a part of what it is that you are about to start. Hold on a second, I have to check on my stove. I think something spilled. I'm back. Um, I got really hungry when I stopped recording and realized my computer is out of battery that I started cooking rice on a stove. I just need to turn off the heat or turn down the heat. Anyway, something is always old and not in a negative sense, but something is familiar to you. Something has to be familiar to you just because you have been living on earth for a while. And so for me with this podcast, even though I know nothing about podcasting, I do know a few things that's related. I remember how it was in the beginning when I started filming videos, filming vlogs on YouTube, and when I did not even know how to pronounce the word vlog without saying vlog with an F. I also know how it is to talk on camera and be recorded because I have been, if you didn't know, I have actually had a podcast for a while, but it's under my nonprofit, Together with Classicals page. You can find it on Spotify and on YouTube called Classical Chats. And it's very different. It's just me talking to all kinds of people who love classical music. And I've talked to really well-known people that I got nervous <laughs> talking to for this podcast and also engineers, scientists, doctors, students who just love classical music, but they might not be pursuing it professionally. So I have recorded a few dozen of those episodes, although they were on camera. Also thought back on how it is when I talked to a really good friend of mine and how easy it is for the conversation to go for over an hour long. I feel very comfortable somehow talking on the phone. Before I even thought about recording this under the piano or calling it under the piano, I knew that I wanted it to be cozy and I know how it feels to talk to a friend. So I took those elements and focused on those elements and just basically decided, okay, I'm just going to pick up the microphone. I'm going to ramble like I always do whenever I'm on a call with really good friends of mine. This hopefully will feel like I am talking to you on the phone. And it isn't this completely new thing because there are 
elements of it that's familiar to me. So I think that exists for all of us, whatever it is. And of course, when I'm playing the piano and learning a new piece of music, of course, it's not completely new because I do know where the keys are after 20 years. So it's not as foreign, but I do remember the funny anecdote that I shared that wasn't recorded prior to my computer dying. Sometimes I still do this now, but whenever I'm not practicing alone, I'm practicing in a space where maybe my friends are nearby or my friends are there, or maybe my parents can hear me when I was really young. Especially when I was younger, I knew this. I still remember this feeling very much. Of course, at the time, I was not very familiar with the piano. So I knew that I was not sounding that great when I'm sight reading. To a certain degree, this feeling still exists. Whatever it is that's going on, I try to pretend that everything is fine and that whatever wrong notes I play, those are not wrong notes. I'm not going to hiccup and stop and start and stop and start and stop. Of course, I did that more when I was younger, the starting and stopping, but I always make an effort to not stop and just keep going. And it's actually been great because going back to the beginning of this episode, this is how I get to know the full story of the music. I just read through and keep going no matter what. I don't have a perfect analogy that I can think of right now about life in general, but maybe in a way it's also like this episode, or maybe when I think about starting a new thing, I just go and I don't try to start and stop and think too much when I have already started. So now I've started this podcast and started talking for an hour long, actually more than an hour. I'm getting really hungry, so I think I have to stop talking and stop recording because this has been a super long episode. I hope you've enjoyed this episode on this podcast. This is the first episode, so I will be very nervously checking. You know how it is, especially if you're building a new profile. So I hope you like this episode. I have no idea what the next episode will be, but I will ask you for suggestions on my Instagram after I post this first episode. So be sure to follow Under the Piano podcast on Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate it. I think that is the term, right? You rate it and you review it, right? On Spotify and on Apple, I believe. And yeah, follow the podcast. I hope that you learned something and that you felt comfortable and cozy listening as I do recording under the piano. Thank you so much for spending the past hour with me. Your time is precious, so I appreciate it. And I will talk to you next time. Bye.